Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. everyone. We are in Exhale Bible Discovery, and this week we are in John chapter 16. In our last episode, we discussed in chapter 15 of being pruned with Christ and also persecuted with Him. And in this chapter, we are going to focus on being guided in truth and in joy. So our first division, Guided in Truth, takes us from verses 1 through 16, and our second division, Guided in Joy, will take us from verses 17 through 33. So I hope you have your Bibles open to John chapter 16, and let's get started. And Jesus continues his wonderful discourse to his disciples with a statement to help them to remain in strength. The perfect timing of this lesson as we face a nation and countries riddled with hatred, division, and discord. Jesus is telling all of us today, and many of you know this, that there are many who do not know Christ, and therefore they will want to do harm to Christian followers, you and I. That's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. But as we face so much division, understand This boils down to a spiritual battle. And when we know this as believers, we've got to be armed with the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. These are our weapons. Prayer is our weapon. Getting together with other believers and praying together and worshiping together. Those are our weapons. So Jesus then begins to reiterate his promise of going back to be with God. He tells the disciples that they would endure grief, but to hold fast to the promise that he is coming back. Jesus never leaves his sheep without a shepherd. This very last verse that you can find in Matthew 28:20 tells us, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. What a beautiful reminder for us to hold on to. Jesus never leaves us with any doubt that he is with each of us all of the time. So here in verses 16, 5 through 15, we find a threefold message from Jesus. Encouragement, entitlement, and then we find and education. So encouragement are found from verses 16, 5 through 7. He says, It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But go, I will send him to you. And so while Jesus was with them in the flesh, he was their guide and their counselor. Once he left from earth, He promises them and us this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. 
You guys, it truly is a gift that we have right here if we desire it. But it is only through this indwelling that we can truly identify with Jesus and have our hearts quickened by his voice. So the second part, threefold message, is the entitlement. And these are verses 8 through 11. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. As believers, you guys, we are entitled to this work of the Holy Spirit. Non-believers are not entitled to this beautiful gift. So let's take a look at Acts 1-2. Jesus taught until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So this takes us back to learning about Jesus being called rabbi or teacher. He was not only here on this earth to save us from our sins. He was also here to teach us how to live. And then in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Wow, do you see this? We don't just get the promise of the indwelling, we also receive power. Do you truly understand the significance of this word? Power is all that it implies, and it can mean many different things. It can mean physically having a physical might, it can be mental or moral power. It can be political control or influence. But don't we need to learn and to lean on this entitlement that we're given an entitlement from the Holy Spirit more than ever? We do have spiritual, physical power that is a source you and I can tap into. We also have mental and moral enlightenment that provides us with the discernment that we need to maintain our course in this world. And then look at the third definition of power, which is over political influence. Wow. (laughs) This confirms the power of a praying country. How desperately we are in need of all fellow believers to come together and be connected in the power of prayer right now and always. Another verse from Acts that we find in Acts 2, 17 through 18 says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And one definition of pour is to abundantly and continuously have a flow of a substance. We are promised more than we can imagine. And it never ceases this power of the Holy Spirit. He lives in our lives and he is a continuous flow of power. Then in Acts 20, 28, it tells us, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. You guys, what this means is with entitlement, with this gift of the Holy Spirit, we have responsibility. And clearly, We as believers have entrusted, been entrusted with the overseeing of the faith. And to be shepherds 
means we are also to be protecting, leading, and teaching. And so now back to John 16, 8 through 11. He uses the words judgment and righteousness several times here. And I want to break these words down just a bit. In judgment, the world and God are far apart regarding what judgment means. Man's judgment and view of it will never match what the Bible tells us. Every law must have a moral basis or a moral compass in which to base the judgment of that law. Originally in America, this country was indeed founded on the moral laws found within the Bible. Whether people try to snuff that truth out or not, it is the truth. So as the moral fabric of this country and so many others that are listening, you've seen it in your countries as well, is being challenged and rewritten, they are laws that are not in line with God's laws, and they will be fleeting. You know what? They're never going to stand the test of time. True judgment comes from God alone. He provides His law in order for us to live by them and structure our laws and lives to be in line with His. Now, the word righteousness means to be characterized by uprightness or morality. And again, here's the reference to morality. Don't you see that the moral compass standard set forth by God is the only way to be considered righteous? Righteous does not mean being conceited or puffed up or egotistical. Jesus set the standard of righteousness by his shed blood on the cross. And when we place our belief in him, he claims us to now be righteous before him. And so the next time someone condemns you for being righteous, you can reply with, yes, indeed, I have been saved by the grace of Jesus's blood who proclaims me as righteous. And I would love for you to join me. So the Holy Spirit within believers is the transforming agent allowing us to live this righteous life. We can't do it without him. And this doesn't mean that we're going to get it right all of the time because we're still humans. We are continually, however, striving to be more like him and trusting in the spirit to shed our flesh and to put on his righteousness. Then he says, the prince of this world now stands condemned. That's verse 11. Well, Satan, he is the prince of this world. Guess what? It may appear that he is winning, but we know who the victory belongs to. God wins and he is in control. And so the third teaching point here in these verses is to educate, and that's 12 through 16. So Jesus continues to tell us that the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will guide us into all truth. To guide someone is to show them the way or to educate them, to come alongside of and to mentor another. Well, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are not left to fend for ourselves. Our guide teaches us each and every day to walk more closely in the ways of Christ. 
and indwelling of the Holy Spirit illuminates our minds, we are now able to see spiritual truths. When our minds are right with Christ, we can see clearly and we can understand more abundantly the truth of God that makes sense. And we can then serve as a guideline to others to help with a deeper connection to him. In verse 15, John says, All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I say the Spirit will take from what is mine and will make it known to you. This verse is a clear connection of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because they work together in tandem on our behalf. It's a true team effort. And it is also the job of every believer to help guide, teach, and educate those who don't know Christ or who need to learn his word. Each one of us has a responsibility to come alongside others to teach them what God is teaching you and what he's done in your life. So who will you lead? Who is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart right now? All right, we're going to move into our second division, Guided to Joy, and these are verses 17 through 33. Jesus acknowledges his time is nearing, yet he desires to leave a message of hope. He affirms again that he is going to the Father. He acknowledges they will see him in a little while. And there are many schools of thought regarding what this statement, a little while, means. Some think it means immediately, that what Jesus meant was while Jesus was right there with them. They experienced joy in his midst. Another thought is that it means in the near future, that it's pointing to Jesus's returning soon. And then the future, this is the last thought, that it is toward future fulfillment. Next, Jesus recognizes that they will have a time of grief where they will weep and mourn. Interestingly, he points to the fact that the world will rejoice. Jesus knew there would always be those people who despise him, his message, and his people. That's us. People who would not only reject him, but would also mock him horribly. He then tells us that our grief will turn to joy and uses the analogy of a woman giving birth and enduring the pain that will soon be replaced by intense joy. And those of you who are mothers, you understand what this verse means firsthand. The word joy is used four times in verses 20 through 24. And the word rejoice means to return back to your source of joy, God. Rejoice. Jesus reminds them in verse 22 that no one will take away their joy. When we as believers lose the joy in our lives, we have allowed someone or something else to replace that joy. Jesus brings joy and never removes it. Therefore, when you remain in a depressed state, take a moment to understand what replaced your joy and where it came from. Then allow the Lord to deal with it and remove it for you. We have also been reminded that when we ask in his name, 
the Father will give us what we are asking for. And we've broached this topic before here in John. And here we are clearly instructed to ask in the name of Jesus. And when we do this, he says our joy will be complete. Verses 25 through 28, Jesus reiterates that he and the Father are one. He says in verse 32 that his disciples would be scattered. And what happened right after Jesus' crucifixion, we all know that the disciples were scattered. They were scared. They were lost. And they probably had very little hope. And this verse lets them know he understands this. However, he also lets them know that he is not alone and that he is with his Father. The chapter ends with Jesus telling them and all of us these things so that we would have peace. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What a beautiful warning wrapped in love. Despite the horrible reality of the cross, Jesus proclaims that he has overcome the world. Now, you guys, that is a promise that you and I must hold on to. The Bible shoots straight that we aren't going to live a smooth and perfect Christian life. He tells us we will have trouble in this world. It's not an if, it's a given. So anyone who believes that once they follow Jesus, all of your problems are going to just be solved, that is not what the Bible tells us. And if you have a church that's into the prosperity gospel, run from it now. This is not biblical. Get into your word, stay into your word, and you will know truth from fiction. So anyone who believes that once you follow, oh, everything's going to be rosy, it's the issue of salvation that is solved once and for all when we accept Christ. The sin issue related to life here on earth, however, that's not solved, not yet. But the good news is that Jesus not only brought us the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit, he brought us teachings of how we should live our lives. We have his blueprint to follow. And that's good news for you and I, that even when we have our storms in this life, he's with us because he has endured a storm on that cross like nothing we can ever fathom. And when we recognize that Jesus, our Savior, knows and understands our times of trouble and that he is in there with us and that we are in him, then and only then can we maintain the course. So let's put it into a framework that we can remember and lean on. We're going to take the word joy. J is for Jesus in me. He will never leave nor forsake me. The O is only in the power of the Holy Spirit can we endure tough times. And the why is we are yoked in Christ and he abides within us. Joy is the opposite of sadness. And as we remain in his joy, he will wipe away our tears, heal our wounds, and comfort our whole hurting soul. Even as we navigate these interesting and historic times, as Christians, we are to be the salt and the light. 
we are to express joy rather than hate, disgust, fear, envy, racial tension, or disharmony. We must stand above the fray and be the light that shines Christ from within us. And when we demonstrate His character from our own selves, others do see this, and they are watching to see how you handle the pressures you're faced with. May you feel His comfort and warmth today and every day as we hold fast to the only truth we know, and that that is Jesus is coming back. He is returning to gather His church. But in the meantime, we have work to do. We are to carry the torch, show love, be love, and shine His light brightly. Go and make it a great week. And now I'd like to leave you with these application questions. So grab your journal and jot these down. Question one, through the trying times we are experiencing, in what ways are you finding encouragement? Number two, how are you demonstrating encouragement to others? Three, because you are entitled to the gift of the Holy Spirit, how are you protecting and using this gift for the kingdom? Four, who is God encouraging you to guide or lead them toward Christ? And number five, what are the ways you demonstrate to the world the joy you have because of Jesus? And our last question, six, do a self-evaluation. Honestly and prayerfully ask yourself how others see Christ in you. Do they see joy or do they see worry, anger, greed, sadness, judgment, disrespect, and on and on? It's a very good process to go through. So until next time, in John chapter 17, I'll see you in the next podcast. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com, click on podcast, and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode. 